If you look for it, every day has cause for celebration. Celebrate a friend for their promotion baby wedding life thing. Celebrate yourself for keeping the couch warm. It's no easy feat, especially if it's a big couch. Or maybe you just want to celebrate living in 2023 where you can get beer, wine, and spirits delivered from Drizzly in under 60 minutes without leaving said couch. So download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com and get your favorite drinks delivered today. With one of the best savings rates in America, banking with Capital One is the easiest decision in the history of decisions. Even easier than choosing Slash to be in your band. Next up for lead guitar. You're in. Cool. <laughs> yep, even easier than that. And with no fees or minimums on checking and savings accounts, is it even a decision? That's banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com slash bank for details. Capital One and a member FDIC. Hey out there, rock and rollers. Welcome to the 105th edition of the Ugly American Werewolf in London Rock Podcast. Brought to you by me, your host, the Wolf, Mac P. Now I will be joined shortly by my partner in crime and co-host, Gary Action Jackson from the East Coast of the U.S. And we have to thank you all for tuning in to our episode number 104 last week on The Who's It's Hard. It's kind of a their swan song. They were kind of breaking up at the time and saying, we're going to quit being The Who because we aren't supposed to be rock stars into our 40s. And Pete's got a solo career going and Roger can go do acting and other things. So had a couple of big hits on it, like Athena and Eminence Front. But it was really kind of an interesting take on a band in crux like not sure exactly what the future held for them. And it was a better album than we remember. We got a lot of good feedback on it. So maybe you go back and, and listen to that one. We decided to do another album from the same year, 1982, uh, also from a rock legend, but this time as a solo artist and not a member of the biggest band in the world. And that's Robert Plant's debut solo album, Pictures at 11, off Swan Song Records. Now, of course, Led Zeppelin famously disbanded after the death of John Bonham in 1980. And people were kind of left wondering, well, what's going to happen? Are they eventually going to get back together? Is that it? Are we never going to hear from any of them again? What's the story? You know. And before Coda, which was the final Led Zeppelin album, which Jimmy Page put out in, in late 1982, they kind of had you know stuff they'd worked on over the last decade or so, kind of pulled it together and pieced enough to, to make one more record. Robert Plant decided to forge forward as a solo artist, put together a new band, write some new songs, and come up with his own sound that would be separate from Led Zeppelin. And he wanted to make such a clean break from Zeppelin that he did not play any Led Zeppelin songs when touring for any of his first couple of albums. He wanted this to be new. Nope, not going to play that Stairway. Not going to play that Heartbreaker stuff. Just going to do the Robert Plant and the band solo stuff. It was a new age with MTV, and he's still an attractive guy. So he could get his records played on the radio. He'd get himself on the TV. And Pictures at 11 was a solid first effort. And we're going to get way in-depth to it in here. So just bear with me, because it's going to be a, a fun listen. And as we're trying to upgrade our sound, and I hope you can hear a better sound quality for those who've been listening a long time, we're also splicing in some snippets of the song. So you don't just have to guess what it is we're talking about. You have to hear just a little bit of them. Uh, during the show. So I hope you appreciate that and like that. And we'd love to hear any feedback you may have. In fact, we'd love for you to download and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, be it Apple, iTunes, Spotify, Good Pods, YouTube, doesn't really matter. Wherever you go, please download, subscribe. And if you think about it, if you like the show, 
please give us a positive review because it just helps us find more rock fans like you. And if you send it to us or we get wind of it, we might just read it here on the show and give you a nice little shout out. And speaking of shout outs, we love to give shout outs to our Pantheon podcast family. We are a member of the Pantheon podcast network with dozens of shows all about music. Whatever you're into, there's something in there for you. Obviously, we're into rock and roll. And we've been on a couple of other shows. We've had a couple of other folks who do great shows onto our show. Like, for instance, Martin Popoff of History in Five Songs. Like Paul Stevenson of Vintage Rock Pod and This Day Rocks. Like Christy Alexander Hallberg of Rock is Lit. Like our buddy Jay Scott of The Hook Rocks. And like the Kiss Kings, Tom and Zeus, the world's number one rated Kiss podcast. Shout it out, Loudcast. Their 200th is coming up, and I'm looking forward to that. But I also have to give a shout out to our sponsor, rarevinyl.com. I know you guys are doing some holiday shopping right now, Christmas, Hanukkah, whatever you're into. You got to get stuff for that rock and roller in your life. Go to rarevinyl.com. Use code podcast and you can save 10% off every order that you make. They ship all around the world. They've been doing this for 40 years. They got a great five-star rating. They have over a quarter of a million things in their inventory. And though it's not all rock and roll, there's some amazing stuff in there. Lots of great vinyl, CDs, tour programs, ticket stuff, autographed pictures, whatever you're looking for. You might just be able to find it in rare vinyl. And if you do find it there, you're going to find it in great condition and they're going to ship it to you so it arrives in great condition as well. So you're doing your holiday shopping, go to rarevinyl.com, use code podcast, and save 10% off every order that you make. Now back to Robert Plant. I have to admit, in 1982, I was nine. So I did not know who Led Zeppelin were. I didn't understand the majesty of their music, their aura, their reputation, or how awesome they were. I didn't understand where he was coming from. I just figured there's this guy, Big Log, which is off his next record, was the first time I'd ever seen him or, or knew who he was, you know. So to be able to go back and revisit this first Robert Plant album, now as an adult, who's someone who knows Led Zeppelin inside and out and is a huge fan. But now I can come to it with full understanding of Led Zeppelin's catalog, a full understanding of Robert Plant's solo catalog, and where he is in the pantheon of great singers, songwriters, and troubadours. He continues to go out to this day. He doesn't need the arenas. He doesn't need stadiums. He needs a solid band and some good songs to play. So he has my respect as the guy who didn't put together the Led Zeppelin reunion and does forge ahead, making his own path. He doesn't want to just do big hits. He doesn't want to just do big shows. He wants to create new music that means something to him, that is an emotional connection to him, and allows him to tour and do his thing. So we're going to get into Robert Plant's very first solo album, Pictures at 11 from 1982, right here on The Wolf. Sip on the go with a Starbucks iced shaken espresso. Our signature roast, shaken with ice, then finished with a splash of milk. Customize it to match your style on the Starbucks app. Make today a good day. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. 
with Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Oh, we're in for a long one. A long weekend, that is. And you deserve to spend it on the couch with a glass of something good. Luckily, there's Drizzly, the number one app for alcohol delivery. With Drizzly, you can compare prices on the biggest selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered quickly. So download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com today. Yes, yes. All right. So, I mean, look, Led Zeppelin has had a huge impact on our lives, right, Jackson? One of our correct favorite bands of all time, seeing Jimmy Page and Robert Plant in the arena with the Central Florida Philharmonic or whatever it was, mm-hmm. was a really big deal for us. But when we first met Robert Plant as a solo artist, we did not really understand who Led Zeppelin were. We didn't have that background yet in 1982, 83 at the rise of MTV. Correct. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to think back now when the first Robert Plant songs that I heard, oh, you know, he's from Led Zeppelin. Oh, with that old band from a million years ago. Okay. Whatever. That was somebody else's music at that point in time. Right. And I didn't even know that. I mean, I, they may have said that on TV, on MTV, like, oh, here's Robert Plant, ex Led Zeppelin frontman yeah. or whatever. But that just kind of went right over my head. I had no idea who Led Zeppelin were until I think <laughs> I was in the eighth or ninth grade or something like that. Right. And then, of course, I got caught up pretty quickly. And, you know, Jimmy Page became my all time rock god shortly thereafter. But so, 1982 is kind of an interesting time in that Led Zeppelin is is no more. Mm-hmm. John Bonham dies late 1980, not too far away from the time of of John Lennon's death, and so then it's it's kind of over, right? And I think it hit Peter Grant, their manager, uh, really hard because Bonzo was kind of his buddy. He he kind of stopped managing everything at that point. No more bad company, no more Zeppelin. He's kind of retired right. after that. Jimmy was in a little bit of a spiral. Uh, <laughs> you know, he he didn't look real good. He kind of did the arms thing for a while. He did the the album, Whatever Happened to Ugula with, uh, with Roy Harper and the fretless monster, <laughs> Tony Franklin. Mm-hmm. So, so it was going to be a while before he was ready. But here's Robert, right? He's still a good-looking frontman. He's not that old. I mean, if he joined Zeppelin when he was 19 or something like that. So now he's early 30s. He's not quite as old as The Who, which we did our last episode on, who are now in their late 30s. Like, okay, well, this is over for us. But here's Robert having a chance to be reborn after being in this big machine that was Led Zeppelin. And the interesting part, too, about this is... He at this point in time, he really doesn't have anything to prove. The the band right. didn't break up. 
he didn't leave and they went on without him. It, it, it ended, it was over. It was kind of like, the, it was kind of like McCartney and the Beatles, right? Like, well, what do I do now? Well, I don't know. You want to put a record out? Okay. And so he could do whatever he wanted to do on this one. He didn't have anything to prove. You got to figure that I'd have to look at the set list. There were probably a lot of Zeppelin songs in the, in what he did when he went out on this tour. So well, no, actually, uh, oh, really? we can go back to that. Yeah. Okay. You keep making your point though. Yeah. Well, I was going to say that, that really, I mean, this, this was almost kind of like a pet project for him. He could, he could do whatever he wanted to do. He didn't have to sound like anything, just go in there, write some songs and see how it goes because this is what I do. I don't want to stop being a musician. Well, right. No, he, he's like, I, okay. It was probably a relief in some ways to get off the Led Zeppelin Mm-hmm. playing machine right? it's like yeah. yeah exactly it's like okay it's this big thing and there's such huge expectations and you know yes it's great that we're super famous and we make a lot of money and all that kind of stuff but it, it's also like they put you into this box right you know and so following the death of bonzo robert did decide to go on but for a while he did consider stopping being a musician or a rock star he he's was going to pursue a career as a teacher in the Rudolf Steiner education system. And he did get accepted for teacher trainings. Like, that's it. I'm not this big rock star. Led Zeppelin's mm-hmm. over. I'm going to go do something else. So I'll switch gears and do that. And then it was Phil Collins who actually convinced him, no, 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 look, man, like, you've still got the goods. You've still got plenty to do. I just had this huge solo record, right? And mm-hmm. I look like this and you look the way you do. <laughs> so, you know, you could be, you, you can go on. And Phil yeah. does play on most of the tracks on this album. And he did eventually play on the North American tour they did for the next album, Principle of Moments. Now, here's the thing. Back to your early statement. No, he did not do Zeppelin tunes. He was adamant about that. He was adamant okay. about, I'm not trading on my past. I'm moving mm-hmm. forward. Okay, this is not, I'm not a jukebox to here to give you the old hits. And they didn't tour on the first album because they didn't have enough material be a headliner, right? You can't just go out and do 45 minutes of material, right? They did a few shows, I think, in Scandinavia, but I think they were opening for people or they were just doing it for TV or something like that. He And then when they did Principal Moments, they played those two albums. He did not start playing Zeppelin songs, maybe till now and Zen. Okay, when well, that makes a, sample. a lot of sense. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense now that he's not doing any of that. He's doing the uh, the Allison Krauss deal. He's doing the uh, what the shapeshifters, the right. other. So and and I know I heard an interview with Jason Bonham saying there is a ridiculous amount of money still on the table for a Led Zeppelin of reunion. Of course, there is. Yeah, he just won't touch it. Yeah, Robert Plant is the reason there Correct. is no Led Zeppelin tour reunion yeah. because, like, no, I don't want to do that. I'm not. And look, of all the guys, he's the one that's got the hardest. Thing to live up to as far as right. his voice 50 years ago that's awfully hard to ask anyone to recreate mm-hmm. it's one thing to play the drums or play the guitar or the bass or the keyboard the same way 50 years later but the voice changes and he the, the songs he's done as a solo artist and with the shapeshifters with the band of joy with patty griffin with allison kraus it's very different it's great music but it's not led zeppelin hard rock and even when we saw them in 93 94 they did zeppelin songs but they weren't the same they changed them up they reworked them yeah they yeah they did nobody's fault but mine but it was it was slower it wasn't as high anymore he didn't go into the high registers right so yeah uh that makes sense that he you're right you don't want to go out there and fall flat on the vocals there are a couple of people that i can call out 
I mean, if we're going to go there, probably John Bon Jovi is number one that I can oh, think yeah. of that he just does not have the voice anymore. It's it's just not there. I'm not saying that he can't sing. He can't sing like he can't sing the high parts like he used to. Like he used to, right? Right. So to to go and just say I'm not doing that anymore is is it's pretty it's interesting. But the other thing too is I was looking at album sales. So mm-hmm. the Who sold 42 million copies. Okay. Nothing to sneeze at, but that's right. you know decent. Zeppelin has sold 300 million <laughs> yeah. copies. So you know what? I don't have to do that anymore. That's right. I've got plenty of money. I can do whatever I want, whenever I want. And his solo career has been, I'm sure, profitable. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. this went platinum. The next one, Principle of Moments, went platinum. So the singles did pretty well. He did tours. You know, the thing that when he and Jimmy got back together in the late 90s, I know they made a shit ton of money <laughs> off that. Yeah, did, uh, No doubt The about arena it. was packed that night we went. I mean, there was not an empty seat there. They all were. I mean, they, they did not sell out anywhere, you know. And mm-hmm. then, you know, he goes with Allison Krauss. I mean, you got to be named Quincy Jones or Beyonce to have more Grammys than Allison <laughs> Krauss. I mean, like, <laughs> you know. That stuff gets nominated and, and it sells well. It sells well with the country folks. It sells well mm-hmm. with the rock folks who want to know what he's up to, you know. So went back for for more with her, you know. So I admire him for that. I mean, most bands keep going now because quite frankly, they have to. You know, they, right. they don't get royalties from selling records anymore. The only way they can make money is to go out and tour. So here comes some 70-year-olds with maybe some 50 year olds mixed in because it's half the 70 year olds are dead or quit or whatever, you know, and here's the latest version of whomever. And Robert doesn't need that. He doesn't need to do that. He doesn't need to play to a football stadium. You know, he's happy to mm-hmm. do his theater shows doing his country and Celtic and, you know, Northern land of the ice and snow, England and Wales, you know, <laughs> tunes that he likes to do. It's kind of more of who he wants to be. And he doesn't have to be the golden God anymore. And right. I, I, I do admire him for it. Yeah. That, that would be a little rough. I think now, even if they said, you know what, one more time, it, it would be kind of at this it's point too in late. Time, yeah, it's too yeah, late. Correct. It's past. Correct. If you, if you didn't do it after celebration day, Mm-hmm. when they sold out the O2 a couple of times and they did the video on the DVD, if you didn't do it then, and apparently they were ready to, I mean, Rolling Stone put them on the cover, mm-hmm. John Paul Jones, Jimmy Page and Robert thinking, okay, here we go. Yeah, this it's is coming it. back. This is what we all been waiting for. And Robert's like, no, no, I'm not. Cause it was, I think they had rehearsal. I mean, I think they were thinking about it very seriously. And mm. Robert just took a very pensive take. And it's like, no, I don't need this in my life. I have other stuff I can and would rather do. I, they don't need the money. Right. Right. And that's what it comes down to. I think a lot of the other bands you're saying that are still out there, they need the money. Yeah. That, that's, that's what it comes down to. But yeah, they don't. Thanks you know, to the record sales and a large part to Peter Grant getting them the royalties that they deserve and yeah. probably a little more because he'd like to throw people around and scream at them. But yeah, they, they were set up to not have to do that ever again. Which is nice. It must be very nice to say, <laughs> you know what? That I've got a contract for a bazillion dollars, but eh, I'm all right. Thank you. I mean, we saw Jimmy Page's home in London. Yes. One of his many homes. Co- correct. Correct. Part of the portfolio. Yes. Yeah, tens of millions of dollars <laughs> that thing's worth. <laughs> you know. And Robert would rather be in the country, and I, I totally get that. But you mm-hmm. know, he's on tour now, as far as I know. I think he's on tour right now in, in parts of England. He actually... 
you know, stopped into a pub to sing uh, karaoke or something one night uh, just to, to light the locals on fire there, you know, wow. so that, that set uh, the uh, social media word world ablaze for <laughs> a minute there. But so I, the first song I remember of Robert Plant's when we were kids was next year's 1983's Big Log off of Principle of Moments, mm-hmm. which was a pretty big hit, pretty big yeah. hit on the radio. You saw it on MTV. I'd missed the first one, you know, Pictures at 11, which is, of course, something you hear. You would hear that on TV in America, wouldn't you? Like, they'd be breaking into a show. Yes. like, oh, big fire downtown at the art gallery, Pictures at 11. You know, that kind of thing would, would pop up. Yeah, and and it, so that's that's what it's named after, right? For, and, you know, now that I'm, now I think I'm remembering the story a little better now. I think... I remember when when Big Log was going to premiere on MTV, they had a big deal about it, like you know, oh, yeah. this Tuesday. And I remember, and I had a friend, and the friend had an older brother, and the older brother was the one. Ah, no, 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 no. It's it's the Zeppelin stuff. That's the you know that's that's the, what you want. That you, correct. And I'm like, man, that was a million years ago. Let me, you know, this MTV. That's the way to go now. This is going to be, and he's he's in the driving along in the desert and he gets out and he goes to the gas station or whatever and right. you know living the american dream yeah i that was a big deal on mtv a big premiere they they pushed it pretty hard so yeah that was the first time i remember hearing anything about robert plant or seeing anything about it it was for me too i'm like that yeah that's who this robert plant guy is you know i don't know who he was before i know right now this is the song he's doing it's a pretty darn good song you know very catchy yeah radio friendly not led zeppelin at all and he didn't have anything necessarily to prove but it was time to move on from jimmy page so Mm -hmm. he produced this album himself whereas jimmy produced all the led zeppelin stuff and he co-wrote it all with his guitar player robbie blunt now robert was pretty good about he got this band together and he kept them together for his first three albums this album 1983's principle of moments and 1985's Shaken and Stirred. And he did do a couple of tours, though he didn't really tour. They did some gigs, but they didn't really tour on this album because they didn't have enough to be a headlining act. But Robbie Blunt is pretty good. And he, you know, he played with people we know, like he went on after Robert to play with Jeff Healy. He, he played with Edie Bacall and the new and New Bohemians on their big, you know, 1988 shooting rubber band at the stars. He also played in Chicken Shack ahead of Robert Plant, which is I mean, I think that's where Christine Perfect, who would later become Christine McVie, came from, is Chicken Shack. Huh. Okay. If I'm not mistaken. And so, you know, he and he's he co-wrote every song with Robert and sometimes mm. other people, but every song with Robert over these four years that they were together. So he's in a tough spot because suddenly he's kind of the Jimmy Page. He's Robert's <laughs> foil. Mm-hmm. Right, he's lead guitar and he's right. co-writing all the songs. Well, who was that for the last twelve years? That was Jimmy Page, right? So, right. But honestly, I, I you know, I that's very unfair, you know, to, to take somebody and say, okay, well, you're with this guy now, so you must just be like Jimmy Page or a lesser version of him. I, I think he does an amazing job doing the arrangements, playing the guitar, and these songs are good. You know, it's not necessarily Led Zeppelin, but these are good songs. It's taking Robert in a new direction and setting the tone uh, mm-hmm. and creating the sound for his solo career, which is 40 plus years now. Right. I have to admit, I hadn't really heard this record too much before we got into this. Mm-hmm. And other than, you know, burning down one side, that's that's on 
the radio quite a bit. Right. Yeah, this is a pretty this is a pretty solid rock record. Pretty solid for coming for having taking half of the Led Zeppelin formula away. Yeah, I think you're right. Robbie does a good job. I can't even imagine what that's like. Did he know that going into it? Like, hey, Robert Plant's putting a band together. Get on there. That sounds pretty good. Yeah, and you're gonna he's gonna expect you to write some songs too. Uh oh. Right. Uh well, okay. Big shoes to fill. Right. Yeah, uh, indeed. But he does a great job. And, you know, Jez Woodruff does the keyboard and synthesizer, which are all over this. And we will Mm -hmm. talk about that because it does date it a little bit. (laughs) But no, Phil Collins is on most of the tracks. Cozy Powell, who's a legend uh, and played with, you know, luminaries like Jeff Beck. And I think he was in Black Sabbath for a while. A very Mm -hmm. heavy, hard hitting drummer on tracks four and seven. And they even used a, a drum machine on track six, which actually opens it up a little bit. Usually I'm 100% against drum machines in rock music, like give me a live drummer, but it doesn't sound that bad to me on the, on that track. And we, we'll, we'll talk about that here okay. in a little bit. That's fat lip when once we get to it. That said, so all right, it, it's time to move forward. We're not in the 60s and 70s anymore. And, and, and let's face it, Zeppelin didn't do a ton of work in the latter half of the 70s, thanks to excess and... right car accidents and people's deaths and things like that. They, they didn't have a ton of output after really Houses of the Holy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, they, mm-hmm. and certainly after Physical Graffiti, they only made two albums, one of which was Presence, which I don't think is anyone's favorite Led Zeppelin. It's maybe a few. <laughs> Achilles Last Stand is great, but the rest of it I don't love. You know, um, like nobody's fault but mine. And yeah, look, it, it's, it's, it's got some good stuff on it. I actually really like in through the outdoor it's very proggy jimmy wasn't around much it gets maligned by the hardcore led zeppelin fans you see d snyder say hey give me your top 10 led zeppelin albums he takes that one and throws it right away you know whereas i think it's cool it's it's different it's the proggiest thing they ever did it's what they could have been besides just a blues based jimmy rips all these huge solos right mm-hmm and we talked about that. We had a whole episode about how that Into record Apple, came yeah. together, and and really, it it really it's it's uh, Jones and Plant who did that record because Bonham and Page were otherwise occupied at that point in time. So, kind of a different dynamic. You kind of wonder how, to your point, how if they had gone on, what would it have sounded like? Who knows? We don't know now. It's the end of the story. But I, that's not that's not as bad of an album as it gets labeled as. Well, no, I, I totally agree. I think it's an amazing album. And the thing is, you know, Led Zeppelin is still kind of hanging over them a bit because this comes out in June of 1982. Hoda mm-hmm. comes out like 40 years ago this week as we're recording it, November of 1982. And I forgot about that too. I went back and, and put the dates together just so I would have this in my head. I thought Coda came out in like 1980, but it did not. It was after this record came out. So you're right. He puts this out and then there's another Led Zeppelin record. So were you confused? Did you say, wait a minute, I thought these guys were done. What's going on with this? What is this thing? How was it marketed? I don't, I don't, I don't remember it. I don't know how that happened. Yeah, I don't remember it at all because again, I'm not a, I wasn't a Led Zeppelin fan at that point. Mm-hmm. I didn't really know who they were. And I don't think it sold very well. I mean, I don't think they, they were never really big into releasing singles, but I don't think that it sold incredibly well. And these were things that were taken from sessions from over the years. It wasn't like, here's what we were working on right, right before Bonzo died. There's a little bit of that, but there's stuff that went way back to the early seventies on there. Now the remasters that came out, oh God, when was that? 
<laughs> several years ago. Yeah. This is one I actually, the deluxe edition, it's one I actually picked up because I never had Coda on cassette mm. or CD. And so, you know, it got it remastered, but then it had all this other stuff from all over, again, the career of the band. And so it's a three CD set. So there's a lot of great stuff on there. And, and I, you know, I recommend picking that one up, but I mean, look, it went platinum, but that's nothing for Led Zeppelin. That's, you know, right. everything was 10, 10 X platinum, you know, 20 X, whatever. There was a, uh, something about how, when, when in through the outdoor came out, all of the record, all the other records came back on the charts. Yeah. Because that's, it was like, I don't know if people had forgotten or whatever, but that was the power of, of Led Zeppelin. And maybe Coda was the same way. You know, you kind of you remember, oh, yeah, let me go out and pick up some of the other stuff, the back catalog. Right. The stuff I know and love. Right. Hi, I'm Deborah Bonham. And I am the Irish werewolf in England, Peter Bullock. <laughs> and you're listening to the ugly American werewolf in London. If you look for it, every day has cause for celebration. Celebrate a friend for their promotion baby wedding life thing. Celebrate yourself for keeping the couch warm. It's no easy feat, especially if it's a big couch. Or maybe you just want to celebrate living in 2023 where you can get beer, wine, and spirits delivered from Drizzly in under 60 minutes without leaving said couch. So download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com and get your favorite drinks delivered today. So, all right. So also joining uh, on the album, Paul Martinez on bass. And Paul played with, you know, all sorts of people over the years. Cat Stevens, Dave Edmonds, George Harrison, Peter Gabriel, uh, also Chicken Shack. And he played at Live Aid alongside Tony Thompson and Phil Collins when Paige and Plant and John Paul Jones played at JFK. Okay. I have to go back and watch that now. It's been a while since I've seen that Live Aid deal. We need to do a show on that. That would be cool. Yeah, I think I had the DVDs. I don't know if I still do. Mm -hmm. I mean, I might have an America, but who knows? <laughs> anyway, and I thought it was interesting because, uh, again, we, Rolling Stone missed the boat on so many things. <laughs> and yet somehow there's still like, you know, the, the paper of record when it comes to rock and roll. But Kurt Loder, who's probably better known for being the voice of MTV News mm -hmm. while we were growing up. He was writing at Rolling Stone at the time, and he makes an interesting note here. He's like, even though there's nothing new going on in these grooves, the sheer formal thrill of hearing someone who knows exactly what he's doing makes Pictures at 11 something of an event, almost in spite of its modest ambitions. It's that last bit, modest ambitions, that made me go, well, he's not wrong about that because he's mm -hmm. not trying to be like, this is what Led Zeppelin could be if we continued, or this is what I've been waiting to do. Finally, I broke out free of Led Zeppelin. We're going to give you this huge rock and roll. He's not trying to be that. That's not what he mm -hmm. wants to be. He wants to make a cool, modern rock record and move forward. Whereas a lot of people are like, oh man, I hope we get another yeah, physical graffiti out of yeah. this. You know, how awesome would that be? You know, well, but when was that? When was that review written? I mean, was that at the time? 1982, yeah. Okay. Yeah, at the time. So, And that's why it's a little bit different now because we're looking at this 40 years later. So you right. can go back and you know what ha what's happened between then and now. You know that he got back with Jimmy Page. You know that he's doing different stuff now. And to, to go back and look at this, it's almost kind of not fair with the the reviews at the time because you, you just don't know how it's going to age. And, you know, if you're a critic, you want to throw something snarky in there because, you know, you really get music. Wink, wink, Kurt Loader. Right. 
Yeah, you're a superstar, Kurt. But we, we do actually like Kurt Loder. I mean, I do. You know. Um, yeah, I but think, anyway. but that is was kind of a snarky comment. Yeah, and and Robert could be a little snarky about Jimmy later in the day. He's like when when he did the Coverdale Page album, and, and he's on David Letterman. Letterman's like, uh, you know, you're still proud of your Led Zeppelin days, aren't you, Robert? He goes, Yeah, well, I'm not as into it as Jimmy Page is these days, you know, because he's. I don't think he's a fan of Coverdale's, but yeah, while Robert is going forward in 1982, making a solo album, Jimmy is kind of cleaning yeah. up what we got and putting out that last Led Zeppelin thing. And even though he did Outrider in 88, that didn't do so well. So what's he do in 1990? He makes the Led Zeppelin box set. And now we're really going to get paid all over again. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, so, you know, he did the Led Zeppelin video box set, which is, I think, a diamond video seller like a dvd seller you know sold over a million copies of that i think a hundred thousand is platinum for dvds and and a million is diamond but yeah i mean led zeppelin continues to make a lot of money doing their releases and sure jimmy's a lot of that but robert has continued to push forward and i'll tell you i came to this because robert made a brilliant box set released in 2006 called nine lives okay and it was the nine solo albums he had done up until that point no band of joy no allison krauss just mm-hmm. robert plant solo and it's kind of, kind of reminds me of this joke i can't remember what the comedian was who did this but he's like who are box sets for because the hardcore fans already have all this stuff and who in the world says hey i don't have any blue oyster cult albums i think i'll buy all the Blue Oyster Cult <laughs> albums, right? You know, <laughs> and it's true that I'd never had a Robert Plant solo album until after that, until after he did Band of Joy and Raising okay. Sand and some of that stuff. I'd never had it. Dow and Zen was the closest one I'd come mm-hmm. to, and I think I had a Greatest Hits album of his at, at some point. But okay. I, just, I don't know when we were in high school. It's like, is that CD worthy? I don't know if I want to spend fifteen bucks on a Now and Zen. You know, it's a little gimmicky with the samples and all that eh, i don't think i want to do it so it's great and, and so not only does it have all the tracks remastered in 2006 but then every one will contain b-sides or some live stuff from the era with the band okay which is cool not to mention when i bought it it was automatically uploaded into my amazon prime so i could listen to it on my phone like that second and i i do that a lot now and so that's why i came to get this one and all right, so you're right. Let's start it off, right? Let's. Here's another thing throughout. Like Big Log, which would be his big hit off the next record, the titles of these songs have nothing to do with the content of the lyrics of the story that they're telling. Correct. Right? Except for I think I think for I think except for Slow Dance. Other than that, you're right. There is no like. Well, wait a minute. When are we getting to burning down one side? Don't worry about that. What's worse than Detroit? Don't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> got, got nothing to do with Detroit. Oh, Pledge right. Pin. Is that about like and then your girl to get married? Nope, not a thing about it. <laughs> okay, all right. Well, then let's move on. Yeah, so Burning Down One Side is mm-hmm. the first song, first single off the record. It was backed with it was backed with Moonlight and Samosa uh, okay. in, in the US and the UK, but on a 12 incher, it was also backed with Far Post, which is a B side, which we'll get to later. And it did okay on US rock charts, but it didn't do very well on Billboard or in the UK. Do you remember seeing this video or hear it on the radio back in the day? No, I don't. Not until, probably not until I got into high school. I don't remember. I've seen the video since, but I think this was just right before I got into MTV. I think you're right for me too. Yeah. Or or even if I saw it, I didn't know who he was. Right. And the guitar is a little different. But on it, and on it. 
you know. Mm. Uh, but I, Robbie does do good guitar work. There's a lot of synth on it that mm-hmm. kind of dates it. But this is where you're starting to get Robert creating his sound, which is not quite as rock heavy. It's a little more ethereal. He always talked about how Cashmere was his favorite Led Zeppelin song and blending that kind of Moroccan and Eastern influence into the rock is more his thing. So we're starting it here. He does good, good guitar work, uh, guitar work, Robbie Blunt. At the end, it kind of fades out, but that's when he's really starting to solo a little bit. And it's like, okay, we're not going to make this a huge Jimmy Page. We turn everybody else down and turn him way up. We're going to put him in the mix and then we're going to fade out with a great guitar instead of making that the center of the song. See, I wonder if the original release had lyrics in it, like the original record. Oh, you mean like printed lyrics in it? Correct. Because uh. if they didn't, good luck with this one for a while. Because <laughs> you don't really know what he's saying. He kind of mashes all the words together. So it, you, it, again, you you hear the, you know, try as I might, try as I may. Okay, make me stay. Okay, I can get that. But the beginning part, not right off the bat. You're going to have to listen to this a couple of times before you get into what he's saying. Definitely. Now, the the note I would say is most important is his voice sounds great. Correct. He's not trying to scream and screech. He's just singing a song and he's always in key. It's very smooth, very rich. He seems to go from the chorus into the verses pretty easily. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's it's showing, look, I'm only 31 or 32 years old, right? I don't have to retire right now. Uh, I still got a lot left in me. The, the weird thing to me is the video. It, What's in an age, age where they just didn't quite know what to do yet <laughs> with videos. <laughs> He's just kind of with different models in different settings. No, right. there's nothing wrong with models, you know. And yeah, I think come on now. He was he had, he and Maureen had been on the outs for a while. I think they finally mm-hmm. made it official in 1983 that they made their divorce final. But at this point, yeah, you know, he's well, life on the road is one thing too, right? But so he's he's in different models and different settings. In one point, he's passed out at a bar. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes he's driving a car. Uh, sometimes he's at dinner with a smoking jacket on. Sometimes he's doing karate and getting his ass kicked. <laughs> sometimes he's in bed with a beautiful blonde. Uh, he, like, he's a guy with a job and a house. It's just another day. It's another it, day. It's being Robert Plant. Yeah, but sometimes he's in front of two cameras at the same time, singing on a stage. <laughs> So, yeah, it's a little bit of a mashup of like, eh, what do we need? We need him to sing. Okay, what else do we need? Well, we need some pretty girls. All right, let's get a few models in here. And one could be kick his ass in karate, and one could be in the bed. And the next time she could have dogs in the bed with her for some reason. I don't know. And then we've got somebody standing on the, I don't know if it's Robbie or not, because he's wearing a mask, right. playing a guitar on the table. Okay, yeah, while they're trying to have dinner. Sure, just that could happen also. So that's weird. So when the, they come in for the guitar solo, Obviously, people used to seeing Jimmy Page come up at that point with Robert Plant. Mm-hmm. Was it Robbie wasn't available, so they just had somebody else put on it and put on the mask? Or it was kind of like bandages, like the Invisible Man. Yeah, 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 right. You know, um, and, and wearing gloves or whatever. It's like, was it, it was Robbie, but we don't want people to know it's not Jimmy Page. I, I, that was very odd to me. And the solo was not like epic. It was kind of. No. Yeah, just there, you know. Yeah, and the the uh, the other thing too is if you've not heard this track before, and I just put it on for you, and you say, "Okay, so who's playing the drums?" It's Phil Collins. Like he's got that. He's got a very, he's got a very signature sound the way that he plays the drums, and you can tell, you know, like he plays with Eric Clapton mm-hmm. on and some. You can you can tell when he's back there. But I mean, at that point in time, 
that's a golden ticket. Like, with, yes, right? absolutely. Having Phil Collins on your song, yeah, uh, you know, is free money based on what he did in Genesis and what he was doing as a solo artist at that time. And the great part of the video is at the end, he's like, "That's it." Like, he pulls his car over to the road, he throws the briefcase away, takes off the tie, the jacket, takes off the shirt, and just starts walking up the streets. Like, that's it. I'm not doing it anymore. Is that to say, hey, I'm not in Led Zeppelin anymore? I'm changing my life. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. Not a bad yeah, that, song. It's not amazing, but it's it's you know it's a good radio song. Exactly, it's a good it's a good song. You're in the car, it comes on. You know, you turn it up. Oh, I love this one. Yeah, it, I mean, the lyrics are kind of nonsensical. There's nothing really heavy going on there. Like you said, the the guitar solo is not. It's okay. It's not great. It's right. it's a good first. You know, kind of put your toe in the water single. Right, and let's start off. Here's what the sound is basically like throughout right. the album. Here's one we like. And we're off and running. Now, the second one, Moonlight in Samosa. Mm-hmm. This is already a gear shifter. Usually you Correct. wait to a third song for that. But this is already, you know, it's a little slower number. There's a little Spanish guitar yeah. to start it. There is no place called Samosa, right, uh, in the world that I'm aware of. So, again, is he just making stuff up? Or that just sounds like a nice place that he might? Or is he talking yeah. about a drink or a snack? I don't know. But look, the bass comes in. I think the bass is really good on this whole record, uh, and it's very clear. And there's some keys on here that sounds like it's Jeff Downs' influence. Now, they probably wouldn't have heard the Asia first record. Maybe they had, but it sounds just a little bit Jeffy on there to me. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Now, now that you're saying that, I do. I I would hear that. You can hear that a little bit. Now, yeah, yeah. Correct. Yeah. Oh, I mean, oh. it's it's a nice change of pace. The the acoustic guitar it shows Robbie can flex it out a little bit. I can play mm-hmm. electric and I can play acoustic. This doesn't sound like anything Led Zeppelin did. Right. Uh, yeah. Is it this fantasy? You know, midnight in Samosa. Is it about you know a lost love? Yeah. What what are we trying to do here? Well, and it's very ethereal. I mean, it's mm-hmm. this is a very good portent of what's to come with Robert's solo career over the next decades. And he had to move away from Led Zeppelin. He wanted to. He's got a new band. Uh, and I like it. I mean, look, it's it's not something that I put on all the time, but it's this is a good song. I always look forward you, when, when I play this record to hear it. Okay, I was going to say, if you put the record on, you wouldn't skip this track. No. no okay. I'll, I'll tell you which one I skip. It, it's coming up before two. Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. The third song, Pledge Pin, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which, you know, it's a pledge pin on your <laughs> uniform. It's exactly what I was thinking about every time that I hear this. That's what every American <laughs> thinks of when you hear the word pledge pin. It goes straight to Animal House, right? Correct. And so for those of you who don't know, a pledge pin is maybe something you get, especially back in the day, like in the 50s and 60s. If you were pledging a fraternity, you would have a pledge pin and mm-hmm. you'd have to wear it around so everyone knew that you were pledging the fraternity. And then I think when you when you got in, maybe you get the member's pin or whatever. But they used to talk about pinning your girlfriend. Like if right. you give your girlfriend your pin or you, you lavalier them, mm-hmm. then that's you may not be engaged, but that means you're that engaged your to be engaged. Right. right. Yeah, exactly. Kind of thing. Yeah.
doesn't have anything to do with that song. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing about fraternities or pledge pins or anything like that. Apparently, it's about a woman who uses men while she's young and hot, but ends up alone. Mm. And I'm wondering if that's him. Maybe he's singing about girls like that, and he could be. And he probably met quite a few out on the road. Mm-hmm. But is he also singing mm-hmm. about himself? Oh, okay. I thought you were going to go somewhere else with that. But okay, sure. Or, you know, somebody or, else that he was in a band with. I don't know. Maybe. maybe. Yeah. I would say, though, of all the songs on this record, this one ages the worst. It's very 80s, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Yes. In fact, I made a note here at about the, where is this, 304 Mark, mm-hmm. yes, at 304, when the sax comes in, this sounds like a car commercial. <laughs> da-na, da-na, da-na. The all new Pontiac Fiero <laughs> driving excitement. That's what it sounds like to me. I'm like, wow, this is really th- this one. Like I said, this one ages the worst that with the sax and the just the whole thing. It, yeah, no, and this was a single too. I, I know it was, was the first, the second single, but it was the second single, and it may have just been released in the U.S. I could be okay. wrong about that. It was back with Fat Lip, which is on the on the second side. I think the bass is good on here. Yeah, and you're right about that sax. It's very eighty sax, but. The person who played the sax is one Raphael Ravenscroft, who, of course, played the incredible sax solo on Jerry Rafferty's Baker Street. Okay. Well, then I'm sorry, Raphael, but yeah. this one this one fell a little flat. Although, how cool of a name is that? What's your name? Joe Smith. What's your name? Raphael Ravenscroft? Well, it Hello. sounds made up, and it yes. probably is. <laughs> But that's okay. And it's, I, I can't, if you'd have told me that we've done a hundred shows, but we haven't done one on City to City or Baker Street by Jerry Rafferty, I'd be like, you're out of your mind. That's going to be well, the first 10 shows. We're getting there. Don't worry. We'll get there at some point. Correct. Probably. Shocking to me they chose that for the radio, but at the time, I think it fits in. Probably. I mean, it hit all the high marks. I mean, the 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 chorus is actually not bad. It's kind of catchy. And, mm-hmm. and everybody was using, you know, a sax at that point in time. So I'm sure it, it it's upbeat. It's, I don't know. I, I could see how you would pick it. It's just not the greatest song. To me, not the greatest song is song four, Slow Dancer. Really? Yeah. Interesting. I know. And it, 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 this is another change here. This is more of a hard rock song. Right. This is, Phil, you go sit down. Mm-hmm. We're bringing in Cozy Pal. And at first I'm like, okay, good here. We get some blues ricks from Robbie. It's kind of proto-industrial beat, but with a tinge of that Moroccan cashmere kind of stuff that, that Robert likes. So at first I'm like, okay, this is interesting. And I like it. The chorus or the bridge when it kind of slows down. Uh-huh. But the main riff, I don't like. Okay. I like that. Yeah. Okay. It, it's kind of long. And, and this would be a weird, this is kind of a weird segue too, because I thought you said you didn't want to do Led Zeppelin anymore. And right. Cozy Powell really sounds like he's channeling John Bonham. Here. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And then so does, does Blunt say, okay, if you're going to do that, then I'm going to try and sound like Jimmy Page then. This one, this definitely sounds like I would, well, he produced the record, so whatever. But if I were the producer, I, that's what I would say. What, what are we doing here, kid? I thought we were doing different, and this is going back to the well. It's super long. I mean, it's damn near eight minutes long. The first four songs were all about 
four minutes, kind of those were the ones they were probably going to play on the radio. On side B, everything's between five and six minutes. They all kind of fit right in there, you know. So this one's obviously the longest one on there. And it, it kind of seems to, to have a couple different lives in here. I just think the riff is too affected. It's too gimmicky. Okay. And it's not very melodic. Mm-hmm. And it is trying to be a little Zeppelin-y. So you put all that together and I'm like, eh. It's kind of a mess. Yeah. And you have some nice work by Robbie at the end, but it's mixed with the synths in there. And so it's it's not my favorite. And then out of the blue, there's some chanting going on by Robert <laughs> with some heavy synth. I'm like, this is unnecessarily long, this whole song. It's kind of like they're putting a whole lot of stuff into this to make it something that they thought people would want. Yeah, I had I had the note too too long, and yeah, or are you trying to play to an audience or something like that? Like, what it just doesn't with it with one, two, and three, this does not fit in exactly. Nor yeah. does it really fit in with the second side of the album. So it's it's a bit of an outlier. I don't know. Is he trying to make a connection to his past? Look, Cozy's good on it. It's, it's yes. It's a yeah. big upgrade over Phil if you're going for that hard driving rock song uh, sound. Rather, I just uh, I just don't. I can't listen to eight minutes of it, dude. I mean, I just, I can't. I'm like, it comes on. It's like, oh, this isn't bad. And then that riff comes in. I'm like, oh yeah, I really don't like this riff. Let's, let's and how much along. more time do I have left? Yes. yes. Seven and a half two. minutes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you already did cashmere. Let's move on. Let's move on. Let's yeah. move on. To what would have been side two on the cassette or the LP back in the day. Off to worse than Detroit, which again, doesn't really have anything to do with Detroit. No. Or the tough times that people were having in Detroit, either then or now. It's more about, he's talking to an operator. He's trying to get the operator to help him find a lost lover whose name he can't recall. <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> she's one hot one, right? And she and turn, what's her name? Yeah. Yeah. You know, but, uh, uh, but it's just kind of odd. It's got some good slide guitar with a good beat. Mm-hmm. kind of a weird it doesn't really fit into any category like i've got like is it electric blues like what are we what are we doing here like it, it's kind of a it's almost like a hybrid song and it, we'll get into that later a little bit later on in the record too but yeah i mean it's not a bad track it doesn't have it doesn't fit in at all i mean I, i'm glad that this would now be side two because that doesn't fit in at all with slow dance yeah right you know and i think there's a little harmonica on there which i would assume yeah. was robert mm-hmm. Because he's a yeah. pretty good harmonica. I didn't see it in the notes, but it, he's a pretty good harmonica player. So I, I assume that was him, which gives it another little added texture, a little more blues to it, you know, kind of thing. It's not like it's it's not a horrible song. It's it's all right. It's okay. Mm-hmm. Again, the the lyrics don't really have anything to do with the title. Right. But but hey, I mean, he sounds good on it. Robert's voice is fantastic on this. So you're not trying to compete with Led Zeppelin, but they're still going to make comparisons anyway. Sure, this is different. This yeah. is different, and that's okay. You know, for people who are waiting for Coda to come out, my guess is they were more disappointed with Coda than they were with this. Probably, but at least you know, later they were. <laughs> yeah, going going back and thinking to the last record they made in through the outdoor with Led Zeppelin. I mean, you had Hot Dog on there, like that. Like that doesn't really fit in either. So is this like 
you know, his, the evolution of that, where, you know, I like that kind that sound mm-hmm. and, you know, kind of the, it, it's not really, I don't even know what it is. It, it's country music, but it's upbeat country music. It's kind of right. his own deal. It's like rockabilly almost. And then he goes into, you know, you didn't know this yet, but he would go into the honey drippers and, and do right. all of that. So it, yeah. Is this kind of the avenue that way? Yeah, I think you're right. You know, and let's get away from that huge sound and heavy metal Although I wouldn't really call most of what Zeppelin did heavy metal, but certainly no. very orchestrated and it's heavy songs. And let's lighten it up a little bit, you know, and let, let's mm. use some different instruments there, taking advantage of these new synths. That is it, Jazz Woodruff? I think that's that's yes. What it went by is laying down here and make something new, you know. Again, it's a close to six minute song, so it's like it might be a little long. This one. <laughs> But, you know, he's lamenting this girl who we used to love, and now he has no idea how to track her down, you know? Right. Which probably happened to him on the road (laughs) once or twice. (laughs) Oh, well. But chalk that up to problems we'll never have. Right. So next is Fat Lip, which I think actually got some radio play. I don't know if it was necessarily released as a single, but I think it got onto like mainstream rock charts. And this is the one where Robbie was had programmed the drum machine. No Phil, no Cozy on this one. And I got to say, Robert did some really nice production on this. It's all crystal clear between that drum machine space for the picking guitar. The big riffs don't come in for later. They kind of have the picking guitar at the beginning. And, and I don't know, with the bass, the synth, the, the, the voice, and there's space. There's air in between it. Because like it, it seemed like everything was filled with Led Zeppelin. But mm-hmm. here it just seems like there's a little space here. And I don't know. I can't believe it happens each day. I still can see Just throw it away to watch the way. Time slipping away. It won't be long now. I hold a moment. It sounds a little dated, but I still, I like it. I would, there has to be a story behind this. And I, I looked, but I couldn't find it. It, it. So you have Phil Collins, you have Cozy Powell. Were they both busy that day? And Robbie's like, hey, wait a minute. I've got a new toy to play with. And that's the Roland TR-808, which apparently was is like the gold standard for hip hop. Like if you, there's drum machines and then there's the 808 because it, it's infinitely programmable. Like most other drum machines, like you just, it was just one, two, three, or four, but this, you could, you could make it go faster, make it go slower. It was, if you had one of those, you were a big deal. So I wonder if, was it like, Hey, I want to play with this or was it, we don't have anybody to play drums. Wait, I'll, I'll use this to fill in right now. And then they they liked it it. and kept it on there. Yeah. I don't know. You can, if you listen, you can tell, oh, that's a drum machine, especially now, but who knows at 82, maybe people are like, wow, this is really cool. This sounds great. I mean, it works on this song. It does. Although I mean, TR-808 sounds like a bounty hunter from Empire Strikes Back or something Right? Oh no. It's the TR-808. It's TR-808. Let's get the hell out of here. Oh, no. IG-88's around the way too. All these 808s are everywhere. (laughs) I can't keep track of them. What are we going to do? Uh, but this, but Woodruff actually co-wrote this one with uh, Robert and Robbie, mm-hmm. uh, along with Burning Down One Side, and with Far Post, the the B side that would end up having a little bit of a second life, which we're getting to. Yeah, I mean, it, it, the synths really give it kind of an airy sound, mm-hmm. something that's going to continue to happen over the course of Robert's career. 
it, it dates it a little bit again, but I like it. And again, I like what Robbie Blunt is doing both with the picking, the picking and the riffs that he comes up with on this one. Yeah. And, and I like the fact that it does get a little bit harder about the, the minute or so Mark, mm-hmm. um, it, it, but then the, the lyrics he's talking about out at the airport where the planes go by. Okay. I don't know what we're trying to do here with this, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, it, it's a, it's a good song. It's, if you had used the drum machine on every track, it would have been annoying. But I think for just one, it it works out okay. It seems to work on this song. Yeah. It seems to make Fat Lip a, a pretty decent song. Right. And and kind of stand out too from everything else. Like usually mm-hmm. now you're kind of getting into the, like you're kind of getting bogged down on the second side where everything kind of gets mashed up. I don't think this record does that. Like it, like all of the tracks on the second side, you may not love them all, but they're all different. I agree with you there. Uh, honestly, yeah. I mean, it, he wanted to move forward and he did. He did a good job of that. You know, I mean, not everyone wants to move forward. Everyone's happy to trade on this big past that they have, you know, but he's like, I've got to move forward. And he didn't want to do his Led Zeppelin songs. So here he is creating new music and with a new band and a band that he mm. kept together for a few years here. So I also admire him for that because he could have just gotten session people in different people on every one. Just give me the three best guitar players and we'll, we'll split them between the songs. Give me a few bass players. We'll split them between the songs. Right. Oh, he's got a band. He's got a writing partner in Robbie and, and he's producing it, you know? So as a body of work, I think it's, I think it's solid. And the number seven song or the third on the second side, like I've never been gone to me, the guitar at the beginning of this, is the epitome of his first three solo albums with this band. Yeah, this this is a this is a song I had never heard before before doing this. I like this song a lot. I it's, like it's, it too. Yeah, th- this is probably my favorite song on the record, and it's it's more it's to me if you take the, if you take the two Cozy Powell tunes, mm-hmm. Slow Dance, and then this one, this one's infinitely better. And it's it, but it's it's got that Leplin, it's got that Leplin, it's got that <laughs> Zeppelin feel to it, but it's not like it's like Slow Dance was trying to like ram it down your throat. This is more like it's this is more like Led Zeppelin inspired than trying to copy Led Zeppelin, in my opinion. And you can tell it's cozy and not Phil pretty clearly. Correct. Correct. Yeah. A lot harder. A lot harder. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's kind of a blues song for its day. It may not mm-hmm. be a traditional blues, but if you're kind of an 80s new wave band, this is a blues song, you know, and and Robbie's really carrying his weight here. Yeah, uh, and and of course, when Robert Plant makes a new record, everyone's gonna be like, "Oh, well, who's his guitar player? Did he play as well as Jimmy Page?" <laughs> well, you know, I'm sure Jimmy would have done that differently. This this song, sure. But I think that this, if you can play a good blues riff and lick on the solo the way Robbie does here, uh, I think uh, I think it's is it the best song on the album? Maybe I, I yeah, I like it the best. And and I was reading something where they were talking about this record and they said, Oh, the young guitar player. And then I looked, he's not really that young. He's no. about the same age as so Robert. so he's not yeah, so he wouldn't have been like a fan of Jimmy. I mean not a fan like it, it, he didn't like him, but it wasn't like he grew up listening to Jimmy Page. I mean, they're about the same age. Right. So I think that he's not a fanboy. 
but he can he can play not go toe to toe, but he does a he does a pretty good job on this. Yeah, he's kind track. of a contemporary, correct? Yeah, more of more Robert and Jimmy's, right? Yeah, but I mean a contemporary at a much lower level, right? Like right. you know, a guy who's playing rookie ball right now is a contemporary <laughs> of Aaron Judge's in that they're both <laughs> professional baseball players at the same time. But that doesn't mean that they're like on the same level. Right. But but when I read Young, I thought it was going to be like, oh, well, he was like 18 or something when he made this. No, he was like 30. And, you know, I think he was born in 51 and and uh, Plant was born in 48 or something. So they're not, I mean, they are about the same age. Right. So when that, they, I don't say young that. bass player in the firm, Tony Franklin. Yeah. He's like 21. He's yeah, young, correct. dude. You yes. Know? He's a kid compared to the rest of them. Right. Um, this was no. not the case. Yeah, that's right. And there are, a lot of these lyrics are, are kind of throwaway to me on this record but i like that i like the one he's like i'll be waiting for you baby when your time has come and the and your face no longer frowns i'm like yeah come back and see me when you're not so angry (laughs) (laughs) and we'll talk about it hi this is christy alexander hallberg author of the novel searching for jimmy page and you're listening to the ugly american werewolf in london rock podcast Unlock big savings during the Menards bag sale at Style and Security with Schlag Lock Sets. Menards carries over 50 styles of interior and exterior lock sets. And with Schlag's wide selection of smart locks and keyless entry locks, there's no more hiding keys under the doormat or losing track of copies. Save big money on Schlag Lock Sets. Plus, save 15% when you fit it in the bag. Now through January 14th, available in-store only at Menards. Save big money at That cold case you're listening to? Nasty stuff. But you know what else is a crime? Missing even a moment of whatever you're doing to go on a drink run. Luckily, there's Drizzly, the number one app for alcohol delivery. With Drizzly, you can compare prices on the biggest selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered in under 60 minutes. So download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com today. Last song on the record, mystery title. Which again, that was probably like the working title for it. Yeah. And then they said, ah, fuck it, we'll just call it mystery title. <laughs> Come on, we got to print this thing tonight. Okay, fine, mystery titles, just do it. So, big drums and slide guitar to start this up tempo. Is this trying to be a little sad? I think so. And I think it sounds to me like you took about three different genres and threw them in a blender. It's, yep. it, it doesn't make on paper, it doesn't make any sense, but this is actually a pretty good song. It's a little weird. I mean, it has a little bit of reggae in the middle of it, yeah. maybe, right? So we've got yeah. some hard rock with the big drums and slide guitar. So it's a little blues, hard rock. We got a little reggae in it. And then at the end, there's some interesting stuff with the guitar, drums, and synth already all together all doing their stuff together but i don't love it because it, it is odd i mean it's, it's trying to mash a few things together and i don't know if it does a great job of it well and it's the you know it's the on the original release this was the last song on the record mm-hmm. so again you know you are you suffering from the last song on the record 
blues here. Like, oh, well, we need one more. Okay, you know, just put that on there and, and we'll call it a day. I mean, we don't it even have even, a name for that. Exactly. It doesn't even have a matter. name. Just, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Here's something we've been messing with. We need one more song because it's got to be at least. Because that was back in the whole, you know, it, it's what was the, I don't know what the original. Yeah, the length is only 42 minutes right. and 12 seconds. You don't have that. Well, now we're like in the EP. Right, section. yeah, then it's at like 33, right. 36 minutes or something yeah. like that. It's like, eh, we and need no a one's, little bit more. Right, no one wants to pay full price for a thirty some 32-minute or 33-minute record. So, yeah, we need one more. That's kind of like what it sounds like on this one. So, I mean, it's an interesting track. I don't hate it, mm-hmm. but it's just interesting to me that the two songs that end both sides are odd and, and not my favorites. And it's like they're trying to do Zeppelin but uh-huh. not really, but kind of. And it's like most of the rest of the album is going in a different direction. Whereas those two are pretty Zeppelin-y, at least in their intentions, I feel like. Right, right. I think I think to me, Slow Dance tries too hard. Like it's not a bad, I don't know, I guess if you'd never heard Led Zeppelin before, maybe. But I think that that tries too hard. And then again, the mystery title is just a throwaway. To me, a little bit. Yeah. I, I don't love it. I, it's not horrible. I don't necessarily skip it because I've already skipped Slow Dancer, so I don't, right. don't want to skip. <laughs> no, I wouldn't skip it. It's just, you know, it's just kind of a, yeah, it's just kind of a little, like I said, it's about four different things they're trying to get to work together. Right. And that's ambitious and that's cool. Right. But even if they pull it off, I'm not sure I know what they're trying to pull <laughs> off. So, you know, but anyway, but so that's, that's the record, you know, and that's Robert Plant. I'm not in Led Zeppelin anymore kind mm-hmm. of thing. Didn't tour much for it. Maybe did a few shows. Did what he had to do, but uh, but I mean, even 1983, once they had both records, they didn't necessarily. I don't know if they headlined a whole lot. I mean, I feel like they they may have been an opening act for a lot of people. So they still were only doing 10 to 13 songs. Maybe they stretch them out. I'm not sure. But that was that. Now the B side uh, or one of the B sides to burning down one side was. Uh, Far post, which is generally a football or a soccer reference. Uh-huh. You know, go for the, you know, we're doing a corner kick. Somebody's got to guard the, the far post, right? But it also ended up on the White Knight soundtrack with Gregory Hines and oh, uh, right. was Mikhail, it Mikhail Barishnikov, right? Yes. Which I remember that that movie coming out. I remember being like, how old I was. I had no interest in seeing it because I don't know. I just looked. Too it was for grown up yeah, to me. You yeah, know? exactly. That's, that's exactly what I was going to say. What is it about? Well, it's about ballet dance. Okay, pass, yeah. pass. And, I'm like yeah. nine. Get away from me. <laughs> it's a Russian ballet dancer forced to return to Russia against his will. I was like, okay, yeah, yeah. Man. Snooze fest. And it came Moving out three on. years after this record, so it's like it's great that it got on there and all. I mean, I'm happy for Robert to do it. Interesting that it was Taylor Hackford who directed it, who would end up directing Ray, the Ray Charles story that, uh, that huh. got Jamie Fox his Oscar. So. He knows a little something about music, I guess, Taylor Hackford. Um, I think it did pretty well, but it was like a, I don't know, that's like a movie for your parents. It's like, yeah, I don't have any Correct. Yeah. But the song itself, it's different. It fits in. It, you can tell it's the same band who did it, but it is a little different from the rest of the stuff on the record in that Woodruff has this big piano, not synths, not keyboard, but there's mm-hmm. piano all through it. In the middle, instead of where we would usually find the guitar solo, there's a lot of piano in there, which is interesting.
listen to some of the lyrics on here. This is the one that I wanted to pull up because I knew not a lot of people were that familiar with it. Okay. It's about wheels keep spinning around and around. Years keep spinning around and around. Okay. With the passing of time, you know, I remember the day and, and stuff like that. Far off the hazy day, long gone, the lingering gray. I think he's talking about like Led Zeppelin was a long time ago now. You know, it was a while back and you can remember it. That's great. But, you know, I'm into the passing of time. You seldom come to mind. I remember, but that was, that's not who I am anymore. That, that, I think it's a farewell, a little bit of a farewell to Led okay. lyrically. And I wonder why this was not on the record originally. You said it was the B-side to the single, but never not included on right. the record. Interesting. Right. To me, the beginning sounds like, if I didn't know anything about this, it almost sounds like Mark Knopfler at the beginning with the guitar work. Oh, interesting. Yeah, just, I mean, it, yeah, it, it doesn't sound like anything else on the record. And maybe that's that's why they just said, no, we're, we're leaving this one off. To me, it's the piano. The piano solo is why they probably didn't put it on the album. Mm-hmm. And it, it's the song of someone who's a little bit older. I feel like someone who, it's a song of someone who is looking back. Like, I can remember things, kind of distant gray memories and you know, some of it was good, some of it was bad, but I've I've moved on now. And maybe he's saying farewell to Led Zeppelin. Maybe he's saying farewell to Maureen because their relationship's mm. coming to an end. Yeah. Maybe it's a goodbye to his son. I, I don't know. It's not a bad song. It, it's it could have been on the album, it, and obviously in in a CD age, it probably would have been. But it's it's because of it's not synth, it's not keyboard, it's not electric. It's it's old school. I think that's why they decided to to keep it off. But I'm glad that they put yeah. it on the remastered version on the box set. I wonder too back then. So this record comes out, right? And you're a big Led Zeppelin fan and mm-hmm. you say, "Okay, so obviously he's going to tour with this and obviously he's going to play Led Zeppelin songs." Like that's that's a no-brainer and then he doesn't do any of those things. Are right. you disappointed? Are you angry or upset? I mean, there aren't there aren't many there aren't many guys. I mean, even Sting when he did his big solo tour, he did police songs. I mean, it, throughout the set, even though that wasn't the material that he was touring with, it was it was almost expected at that point in time. And then he didn't do any of that. Yeah, well, and he did write all those songs himself. That he, it's not like he was playing Andy and Stewart songs. He was sure he was doing his own songs, and that's the way he sees himself as a composer, as a songwriter. Mm-hmm. It's like these are my songs, so I'll just do them with my new band and and not my old band right uh, robert is a singer he's um, he's definitely he's definitely an odd duck when it comes to the world of rock and roll cuz i mean he it's almost like he feels no pressure no i'm i don't want to do whatever i want yeah mm-hmm. yeah no thanks yeah well yeah you have to do this you have to play these old songs no i don't i don't have to do any of that i'm going to make my own records i'm going to do my own thing and people will still like it. I mean, this this sold a million copies. That's right. That's right. This went platinum in the U.S. Mm-hmm. It went platinum in Canada. And the next one, Principle of Moments, also went platinum in the U.S. I think it went mm-hmm. gold in the U.K. and, and did well around the world. Thanks in a, in, in a big way to, to Big Log. But there are other songs on there. I was thinking, uh, was it a, a Little by Little on there? or um, No, Little by Little was on Shaken and Stirred, I do believe. In the Mood was on there. Okay, yeah, yeah, yes, correct. In in the mood was on there, yeah. So, um, and that came out in late. That song was released in, in late '83. So, I mean, look, he put out these two records basically a year apart, June of '82 and July of '83, which mm. means that we'll probably be reviewing 
principal of moments next year for its 40th anniversary. Sounds good. And then, yeah, it gave them the ability to tour because now they have enough stuff that they can just do that. But yeah, no, he, he didn't like getting shouts at Led Zeppelin concerts. Like if someone was there, play cashmere, play stairway, he'd be like, don't do that. I'm not, not going to respond. And if you say it, then I'm not going to play it. So just stop yeah. it. You know, just cut it out. So people are like, oh, are you going to play Zeppelin stuff? He's like, no. No, and he would go out of his way to say, I'm not playing Led Zeppelin. If that's what you're coming for, you are going to be disappointed because this is mm-hmm. a new band. I've got new material, and we don't need any of that. Play Heartbreaker. No, we're not <laughs> going to do that. Don't you hear it enough on rock radio? Don't, doesn't classic <laughs> rock radio play Heartbreaker and Live in Love and Made enough for you, given how good those are? based on the rest of our catalog, right? Those are like the, I don't know, like the 20th and the 83rd best songs they ever did. And they play them <laughs> like they're top five. This is me off. And it probably pisses Robert off too. And he's yeah. for, for years saying, I don't want to be a jukebox. I'm not playing those old songs. Right. Yeah. I'm glad that he didn't become a teacher because I think that, I think I that too. this, yeah, I mean, this led to other things. It led to, it led to, a, a pretty successful career as a solo musician. I mean, Absolutely. I remember it, I remember when Now and Zen came out and that was big. And then Manic Nirvana, not so much in, I think it was like in the 89 or 90. But I mean, I like both of those records. Mm-hmm. And I thought that he, I thought he did a good job distancing himself from the rest of the band without, without going totally overboard. Like if I, he had come out I with agree. a country record right, right. off the bat, you would have been like, well, okay. This is a little, this is a departure, but he it was kind of a lane switch, not a total right turn. Yeah. And he got into a stable spot. I mean, he had these musicians with him for four years while he did those first few albums and did a couple of tours, you know, and had the backing and guidance of Phil Collins to help. Yeah. Him. And this was on Swan Song. This was, this was on Swan Song. Now, after he released this one, when they did Principal Moments, they basically created a glamour label for him at Atlantic called Esperanza, which is basically for him to release his solo albums on. I don't think, okay. was, I don't think anyone else was on Esperanza. I could be wrong about that, but I think it was just for him, kind of like they had Rolling Stones records. Well, yeah, but it was it was under Atlantic, right? right? It's just like Swan Song was under Atlantic. So he did the first one under Swan Song. And then from there, he was even further separated from Zeppelin, right? Right. Interesting. Yeah. I thought you might like mm. that little tidbit. Well, I mean, it's just it's just that whole thing of it, it's got to be really hard. It's got to be really hard to to have this massive collection of songs that people want to hear. And but you say to yourself, I'm not doing it. I'm just I'm not going to I've made a pledge to myself that I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to go down that road. I'm going to do my own thing. And people did follow him. And I'm not going to try to be. I'm not going right. to try to compete with my 19-year-old self. I'm not going to try to show you what I used to do. I'm, I'm going in a new direction. And God love him. He's still doing that. Like, mm-hmm. oh, we do a huge let's up. No, I'm going to get with Patty Griffin, and we're going to get a little kind of pseudo country band together. I'm going to live in Nashville for a few years, and, uh, and, and we're going to do it this way. It's like, okay, well, now I'm going to get with Allison Krauss, who has more Grammys than all the members of Led Zeppelin <laughs> and the Rolling Stones and the Beatles put together. You know, uh, and and do that because that's what I like to sing, and I don't have to hurt myself trying to sing. Right, I don't the, have the to other, strut around to sing this. You know, the other interesting thing too is that he did not do everything himself. 
on this record. He he got a band together. He got to write another writing partner. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like, no, 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 no. I know what I'm doing here. I'm going to put out my own stuff. No one tells me what to do anymore. I'm going to write my own songs. That probably would have been a disaster. He was smart enough to know I need someone, like you said before, a foil to work off of, bounce ideas off of, give ideas, get ideas to make these songs come to life. Well, and a musician, right? I mean, Robert right. has never really appeared on stage playing an instrument. I don't know that he can or can't play a piano or a little bit of guitar or whatever, mm. but okay. you, you yeah. never see him on stage. Like he, he doesn't have the eminence front guitar like Roger Daltrey does. <laughs> you know, he, he, he is just a singer. And so he needs someone to help create music, even if he can get some keys and maybe create some soundscapes. He needs somebody to kind of translate Mm. that for him. So he did produce it himself, which I don't think he continued to do, at least not solo the rest of his career. I know the next couple of albums, he did have a couple of other folks help him produce the record, but maybe that's the one way he was trying to, that's the one way he wanted to prove himself. It's like, okay, Jimmy produced everything I've done in my life to this point. I'm going to show them that, show him, that I know something about the way I'm supposed to sound, the way I'm supposed to sound without you guys. Yeah. And and put together something quality. And he did. Look, we can make fun of it for being a little dated, (laughs) but we wouldn't have said that in 1982 or 83. No. We're reviewing it then, right? Correct. It's it's, it's kind of a cheap thing to say, oh, well, it sounds like it was made in 1982. Well, yeah, you know, because we know everything that came before, during, and after. So it's easy to say that. I think it sounds good. Even the songs I don't like have really good bits in it right. sonically. I right, mean, right. I like like e- the song, but right. Like even even Pledge Pin, the, the chorus is catchy. It's it's a catchy song. And I wonder too, in 1982, when you had these drum machines coming in, it, it was that the thinking? Like after a while, we're not even gonna need drummers anymore. We'll just use these machines. That didn't turn out to be true, but that maybe that was the thinking there. Maybe you were thinking that the synth would become more and more. You could you'd have one person just doing everything. Mm-hmm, yeah, yeah. But to me, it's still pretty clean as far as the production goes. You know, he he did a good job. You can mm-hmm. hear everything clearly. Nothing's really muddled. The bass comes through very well yeah. for me. You've got a, technically three different drummers if you include the PR eight oh eight, right? <laughs> <laughs> and so that's kind of hard to get levels on that. It could be hard for a bass player to jibe off of two different people. But I, I think the whole thing sonically is very smooth. It sounds good. It yeah. was a platinum selling record uh, and it set him up for a very long solo career, which is more than I could say for Jimmy Page or John Paul Jones. Correct. Yeah, it, it's interesting that you, what Jimmy Page, I mean, like you said, he kind of poked his head out a little bit and then said, well, I think Blood Zeppelin is really where I need to, I need to be the curator of the catalog. And that's, that's, right. that's what I need to do. Somebody pointed out, you know, Page should have done something like uh, Carlos Santana, where he just got a whole bunch of vocalists and put that together. But that's a lot of work. It's a lot it of is. work to write the songs. It's a lot of work to put it together, get these guys you know, in the studio. And if it flops, it stinks. Right. So you stick to what you know. And honestly, you can say that, well, you know, he just went back and did the Zeppelin stuff, but you were talking about box sets before. Thank you for putting together that four oh my God. Zeppelin box set. And what was that? 1990? Because who, who are the people that buys box sets? We did in 1990. Yeah, Correct. Absolutely. And we listened to the hell out of that one. Correct. But it's not like Jimmy laid around. Look, I mean, he had to wrap up Coda. I think they were contractually obligated to make another record. So that's that's what I would guess. Yeah. It, you know, so they make Coda and you got to have something to say goodbye with. So he does that. Yeah. The whatever happened to Ugula, 
you know, with Roy Harper, that didn't run up the charts. I didn't even learn about that till maybe eight or nine years ago, but mm-hmm. it introduces him to Tony Franklin. He does the arms concert, you know, which is great because Clapton, Beck and Page, along with all these other folks. And I think Paul Rogers is a part of it. So he met Tony Franklin through Roy Harper. He's got Paul like, hey, Paul, you want to do something? Okay. And they make the firm. Now, the firm may not have been a juggernaut like Led Zeppelin, but to me, the firm was a success. They made good music. They, they had, had a couple hits on of the radio. Success- yeah, yeah, hits on the radio. They had cool videos. They had a couple mm-hmm. of successful tours. But I mean, I, I guess it just didn't blow up the way he, oh, look, we got Paul Rogers. We've got like the most amazing rhythm section of the world. We got Jimmy yeah. Page back. They're on Atlantic. They have that muscle behind them. It just the timing wasn't right in that 85, 86 area. So he's like, okay, well, now I'll go do my own solo record. He does Outrider. He looked cool, I guess, but the, the songs <laughs> weren't fantastic. And there's right. there's three instrumentals on there. And it's like, yeah, this this is not great. It's like, okay, I'll go back and do Zeppelin stuff. Ooh, make a ton of money off that. Okay, well, now I'll get with uh, David Coverdale. And it, mm. having, having multiple singers didn't work. Let's do something with Coverdale. That kind of got under Robert's collar, and it was not too long after that that they did unlet it, right? Correct. Correct. And that was my thing, too. I remember when that the Coverdale Page record came out, and I was excited because, you know, Jimmy Page was back at that point in time. But of all the people to pick, of all the people to pick, people. <laughs> you know that Coverdale, that plant just does not like him. Correct. So was that part of it? Was that like a, you know, I don't Maybe. know. I don't know. Maybe so. Well, that wraps up UA Will number 105, folks, on Robert Plant's Pictures at 11. His first solo effort after the disbanding of Led Zeppelin following the death of John Bonham in 1980. And it may not have been the first one, the first Robert Plant solo album that I was aware of or heard or came to, but it's a solid one. You know, it, it kind of set him up for the next four decades, really, of making music on his own without his big band, creating a sound that is defined by him and not by Jimmy and John and John Paul Jones. And I really liked it. It's, it's a fun listen, some good songs on there. And I got a feeling that we'll be reviewing his other early solo albums in the not so distant future. So if you like this one, Hopefully you'll like those as well. You'll go back and listen to some of our Led Zeppelin shows. And I know we're going to have some more of those in the future. Hopefully you heard a little snippet from Deborah Bonham in there. I definitely encourage you to go back and listen to my interview with Deborah and Peter Bullock ahead of their new tour uh, from earlier this spring, uh, all about their album, Bonham Bullock. But since that wraps it up, we have to know, as usual, did we get something right? Did we get something wrong? Did we miss the point? Did we leave out your favorite part? You have got to let us know. You email us uglyamericanwerewolf at gmail.com. You can also DM us or tweet us at ugly underscore werewolf or at actionjack72. Let us know of the rock records, bands, concerts, movies, books that you want us to talk about here on the show. Tell us what you're excited about. Tell us what's out there and what you want to know more about. Of course, we want to thank our Pantheon podcast family as usual. And we want to thank our sponsors, rarevinyl.com, where if you go and use the code podcast, E-O-D-C-A-S-T. You can get 10% off not only your first purchase, but every purchase you make. It's the holidays. You got a lot of gifts to get. You want a Robert Plant first edition record for the Robert Plant fan of your life? You want some Led Zeppelin records? Whatever you're looking for, go to rarevinyl.com or EIL.com. Use the code podcast and save 10%. Now, next week, we're going to look at an album that's having its 35th anniversary. 
by the biggest selling American rock band of all time. If I say that song, you automatically know who it is. I'm not going to say it here. Let's just say that next week we'll be talking about something that was very big for us in high school, a band that was down on its luck and gone away and then made the greatest comeback in the history of rock and roll. So please stay tuned for that. And to all of you rockers all around the world, be cool and stay safe. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.